welcome to Play Spod. It's Monday, 16th of September. My name is Ben. I'm joined once again by Andrew from Roy's View. From how are you today, Paul? The worst I've felt since I started doing the pods with you, I think. But yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's bold. Yeah, well. It's a good start. <laughs> yeah, do you know, this is uh, this has been a, a hard weekend to, um, to get over, I think. Um, do you know, I think this was like the worst possible footballing weekend, um, if, yeah. if that's not too dramatic. United no, lost, I agree. United lost, Wednesday won. Uh, Reading lost, so my missus is unhappy. Um, Norwich somehow beat Man City, yeah. um, and then I, I thought Arsenal. Um, I thought they'd blown their game with Watford, but then when I actually looked more closely, they basically just got battered for ninety minutes. Watford so. were absolutely fantastic in that game. Got, they were really unlucky not to win, to be honest. Yeah. So we were quite lucky. That might be the one thing that went for us this weekend. <laughs> it may well be, but yeah, we, we're obviously about United's. Uh, 1-0 defeat to Southampton this weekend. Um, second home defeat, second defeat all around, I guess. Uh, first game we didn't score in, but yeah, I mean, I was just I was just really, really just annoyed, grumpy, <laughs> lots of negative emotions after this, and I'm, I'm still feeling them. And uh, yeah, I think, I think the way we're going to approach this is basically a list of annoyances. Yeah, group like therapy. I think this. Yeah, <laughs> that's my goal. I want to. I want to feel yeah. feel better after the next thirty minutes, however long it is that we're yeah. talking about this. So, let's start at the top. First annoyance. Annoyance number one. I didn't like the team selection. Uh, I didn't like the team selection. I didn't like the approach. That that worried me. And you and I talked about this sort of separately. Like I would say, probably ten or twelve times a season, I look at a team that Wilder picks and goes, "Oh, I wouldn't have done that." But yeah. But this is usually it turns out that oh the the highly successful professional manager knows far more about this <laughs> than I do. But this is this is one occasion where I kind of feel justified in my initial scepticism. Um, so obviously uh, Robinson drops the bench from a Goldrick, and um, Freeman drops out for Fleck coming back in. So I guess it was actually close to the team that we had at the start of the season, just with McBurney up top instead of um, Robinson. Yeah. Um, how did you uh, How did you feel when you saw that team news? Announced? I was the same. I mean, to be honest, I'd have kept Freeman in above Fleck. That said, I thought Fleck were possibly our best player on the day. I think he was the only one who was running with the ball. He was the only one who was sort of trying to make things happen. His final ball wasn't always the best, summed up by that little trip that he did at the end that mm. went over the bar. But... Yeah, I was the same as you. I don't. I've, I mean, we're going. We're going to obviously go back into the flat three thing again, aren't we? But I don't see that link. I think when Freeman's there, although he plays in a flat three, he has got. He is someone who can run with the ball, and somebody who can sort of make things happen and link up with the two strikers. I think we lose so much when we play that flat three because it means McGoldrick has to come deep, which is which is brilliant at that, to be fair. But we'll obviously get on to McGoldrick in a bit, but. He could, he's the one who's linking it. But then we've got one up front and we're not a team who has midfielders running into the box and we haven't got like a, a Lampard in his prime, you know, just sort of running in and scoring from the area. So it doesn't work for me. And the sooner we go back for the number 10, uh, number 10 behind two strikers, the happier I'll, I'll be personally. Mm, I'm leaning that way. The, the other thing, um, I mean, we talked about it beforehand, you know, this this idea that Southampton can be kind of bullied a little bit, you know, exactly, Burnley, yeah. essentially, um, as happened to them earlier in the season. And I don't know, I, I really thought, when I saw McBurney was in the team, I thought we're going to go for that. And, you know, we, we're we going to try and be much more kind of aggressive and, like, get the ball forward a bit quicker and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And 
you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's like the would have been the sort of the, the panacea, if you like. That would have been the you know the absolute answer, and we'd have definitely won the game. Because as it happens, we did actually create a lot of good chances yeah. through very good football. But I thought, I don't know, I expected us at some point to be a bit more like we were against Leicester in the second half. You know, hit ball into the channel for for McBurney to chase. You know, try and turn mm. the defence around a bit more and. I don't know. Maybe I'm splitting. Well, I said last but... week to you that I'd have played Billy Sharp personally. I'd have played Sharp and McBurney up front. I'd have played Freeman off him and sort of, like you said, maybe gone a little bit more direct. But mm-hmm. we saw last week when we go direct, we don't go direct like Kevin Blackwell direct. No, you know, it's it's it is more measured. It's smart, more... isn't it? Yeah, and and it worked last season in many games when we had Medine and Sharp up front. Mm. But Bernie's obviously an upgrade on Medine. I'd have played Bernie. It's easy to say in in, in hindsight. My goal is just come back off a goal on international level but mm. yeah I agree with you I'd have played a lot more direct than we did personally yeah so that was another annoyance whether it's whether it's justified or not is uh, is up for debate I suppose but it, it still annoyed me at the time the second mm. annoyance international breaks oh my word oh. what how how do we keep being bad after international breaks it's, it's just it's not a freak is it it's it, it there is something going on there it's this is not just like a we're on, I think you said last week we were on Sky, so we're losing. This mm. is something that we really need to have a look at. I think there has to be. So I, I did go back and look at this, and actually in 2017-18, we weren't actually that bad. Um, we, we did mm. actually win several games after international breaks. But from the start of last season onwards, uh, immediately after a break of two weeks or thereabouts, lost to Bristol City, lost to Derby County, Drew with Rotherham, drew with Wednesday, lost to Bristol City, and now lost to Southampton. I mean, and, and certainly last season, most of those games, you'd have to say we were pretty poor in, I think, by our yeah, own standards. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, all right, this year, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to lose after another international break this year because we're in the Premier League. We're going to lose a lot of games. But last year, we didn't lose many games. It's just a, it's a, a weird proportion of them came yeah. after that break. I do think there's something in it. I've just I've just checked actually, and the next one is uh, Arsenal. So that's in the ICs. easy one. the international break. <laughs> the next international break. So I don't know what it is. I don't know. I mean, there were only two of them. Sorry, three of them who played: Egan, McGoldrick, and uh, McBurney. The only three who, who actually played who went away. Oh, Stevens, of course, yeah. as well. To be honest, I don't. I don't know. I really, really don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the team. They need, you know, that game every week to keep in tip-top condition. Mm. I thought we started really poorly again, to be honest. I thought the first 20 minutes, I thought Southampton were far better than us. And mm. it took them hitting the post sort of to spark us into life a bit, I, I thought, anyway. Um, yeah. And then we obviously, we finished the second half really well. Uh, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's... It could be a coincidence, I suppose, but it doesn't seem like it to me. Maybe it's a bit of both. Maybe it is a conditioning yeah. and preparation thing and some and some coincidence. I mean, yeah, if you if you look at the the individuals that played international football that were playing for us on Saturday, mm. I don't think anybody was particularly poor. Like I thought, McBurney Bernie was okay. Not I don't say he was poor. I think he was. You know, he had a decent game. Uh, I think but, he got bullied a little bit at times. He got pushed out. I, I expect him to be stronger in a few occasions, especially first half. Yeah. Uh, I've, I mean, I don't, I don't want to jump the gun with McGoldrick. I thought McGoldrick was absolutely fantastic outside the area. Yeah, we can, well, let's jump jump to that one in a second. Actually, yeah. um, Egan was the only one I thought did not have a very good game. Um, that second time, I think Shadams has uh, caused him a lot of problems. Did it at Birmingham in the end of last season as well? Yeah, uh, I'm wondering which of my annoyances to skip to next. But uh, let me get, <laughs> get this one out of the way first. I didn't think the atmosphere was very good. I thought it was. 
I can't quite explain this, but I, something felt off for the whole day to me. Um, and it might just be a personal thing. I mean, um, it didn't help with some people telling me to sit down, which is the first time this season. That did actually annoy me a little bit and sort of just fractured the mood a little bit on yeah. the clocks. It's like, you know, nobody had a problem. Well, maybe they had a silent problem with me standing up the previous few weeks. But anyway, I didn't think the atmosphere... Yeah, it does my head in that. I, yeah. went, I went to Wigan away last season and... Um, we were stood in front of two girls who were putting makeup on the face and, you know, like telling us to sit down. And you're like, what? You're not even watching the mat anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I thought it was not a great atmosphere um, all the way through the game, to be honest. No, I agree. I think it's definitely the weakest atmosphere so far. Mm. I suppose on paper, it's the least glamorous game we've had because obviously the first home game, Palace, everyone's up for it. Leicester City, ex-Premier League champions. I suppose this is a more of a run-of-the-mill premiership game. No disrespect to Southampton, but mm. it's it's not one. But I expected it to be better. I expected it to be good all season. Yeah, maybe there was a little bit of like, uh, you know, this is a game that... I imagine if you'd done a you know a quick poll of United fans, probably the majority of them would have said uh, we're going to win this game, yeah. like expecting yeah. to win, and then, you know, just sort of getting increasingly tetchy throughout the game. Uh with with what was happening on the pitch, I suppose, and and to an extent off the pitch. Um, yeah, let's mm. let's get to the next annoyance, which is David McGoldrick missing chances. Oh, yeah, I don't know what to say about. It. I, I, he's such a conundrum. He, he, he links so well. He's so important to have. When we play well, when we he's the man for me. When when things are looking good, he's sort of the spark. He connects everything. He's 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 play outside the box. He's hold up play. It's faultless, really. Yeah. But how many times can you give him these chances to miss? You know, I, I don't. I don't know. It's a real conundrum for me with McGoldrick at the moment. Yeah. So the um, the first of them uh, was possibly the best of his chances, I think. Yeah, I agree um, with that. Which, yeah, Adams had just hit the post for them with a great strike actually from him. Um, again, not good defensively from us. Uh, Egan missed a header here, which then meant that Lundstrom made quite a weak clearance, but I, I'd probably uh, defend Lundstrom in that, in that basically I think he, I think he thought Egan were going to win it. And he sort of... Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've seen it back that, and I, 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 yeah, I, I go along with that. Yeah, so Adam smacks it against the post. Um, and then some magnificent football from us to, to mm. lead to this chance. I mean, just lovely interchange, and then it leads to, um, uh, yeah, at least the McGoldrick being played in on goal. And he's about 20 yards out and, yeah, just straight at the goalkeeper's legs. And it's just... I mean, when the ball ran to him, what did you think? What went through your head? I didn't think he was going to score. I didn't either. I mean, I don't... I don't. To be honest, I'm quite negative, so I never think we're going to score, <laughs> even if we're Billy Sharp. But no, realistically, that's Billy Sharp, that's McBurney, that's Moose, that's Robinson. I, I expect the net to be bulging. When you see McGoldrick with everything that we've seen in the past with the chances he's missed... I wasn't confident. I'm not going to lie. I'm not. I don't want to slag him off because I think, like I say, I think his overall play was fantastic. But he's the one striker I wouldn't have wanted that to fall to. Yeah, I mean, we went through the same kind of thing last season with him, didn't we? Where he, yeah, he just, yeah. I mean, he just kept the weird thing with all these, and it was the same last season as well. He does hit the target a lot. You know, he has these great chances. He does get them on target, but then there's, you know, yeah. th- there's like a keeper making an incredible save and one where you just hit it straight at him in a one-on-one. It's, it's not... I thought it was a really poor finish. I know some people have said it was good goalkeeping and to, I suppose it were to a degree. He stayed up, you know, as long yeah. as he could. But is there was so much for the goal to aim at. That... Or, or, you know, take a touch round him, make an angle I said yourself. exactly the same at the time. I said he could have taken him on. I said, like, he had that much time. There were nobody near him. He could have taken him on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and that is why he's playing for us, I suppose, isn't it? It is. Because like that. I guess it is. I mean, yeah, it reminded me a lot, or, or rather this sprung to mind afterwards, um, 
of a goal he scored uh, at home against West Brom last season. And uh, he was, I don't know if you mm. remember it, he was, he was basically, yeah. basically played in on goal. And I didn't stand up cause, on the cop, because uh, I know it was at the end, but, you know, generally that's what happens. Yeah. Because I was like, well, he's not going to score. <laughs> and then yeah, I, like, honestly, I, I swear down, I'm not just saying this like to, to, to agree with what you're saying. I Because I, I got a, I was sat with someone different for that match. Um, and, and I was sat on the family stand. Um, so I changed my team. Anyway, long story. But we went, he went through there and he scored. And I turned around to the guy and said, like, is it offside? <laughs> you know, because you, you sort of didn't expect him to score. I know that sounds awful. Mm. And then obviously once he scored against, I think it was Derby, the turnaround for him, weren't it? Mm. He went on a bit of a run after that. He scored against Wigan after that. And then he scored against QPR. He went and he, but uh, he still missed chances in, the, in those periods as well, to be fair. Yeah. he. Um, I, I don't know if that West Brom goal might have come immediately after the Reading game where he had like two brilliant finishes that were both offside and we're like, oh, he finally got it in the goal. But he was, yeah. He was well, they were the Reading away. Do you remember that chip he did? Uh, which one, sorry? At Reading away. Oh, yeah. He went through and he just did this really weak, weak chip. Effort, and yeah. That came off on the back of his missed chances that he had against Leeds and obviously he scored against West Brom, I think, was that the week before? It might have been a week after he's got against West Brom and there were a lot of people calling for his head then. Then obviously he turned it around and got 15 goals, but this is Premier League, isn't it? It is. I'm just looking at in for goal, have it as a, a 33% chance, so it's a, a 0.33 XG chance. Mm. So the fact it's far out does impact yeah. that. But yeah, at the same time, I mean, it's it's another big chance, another one that we think you, know, you should probably score from, and he hasn't. I mean... The stats over the season, uh, I looked at this, so uh, so you have non-penalty expected goals, which basically strips out penalty yeah. attempts because, you know, that kind of influences things. You know, penalty is like not, it's not an open play chance, is it, you know? No, so you, you no, remove no. that from it. So McGoldrick has the ninth best non-penalty XG in the league, uh, which is 2.41. So out of all players in the Premier League, he has the ninth highest expected goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's obviously scored zero. Uh, actually, the the only <laughs> the the player just ahead of him is uh, is Che Adams, who also has zero goals. Um, yeah, I think that he's had a poor start, Che Adams. I know he's missed a few chances. I thought he was good against us on um, yeah, Saturday. They, I, I'd expected him to have buried a chance like that, though. If I'm going to be honest. Yeah, they are the only two players with a non-penalty xG over two that haven't scored a goal yet. Um, everyone else on that list actually has at least two goals, so that's pretty bad. Um, and yeah, taken as a whole, uh, we're actually the third worst finishing team in the league. If you go on, yeah, uh, that one surprised me. Yeah, if you go on what our xG is um, versus how many we've actually scored. In fact, um, that was before Watford played yesterday, so we may actually be the absolute worst. Uh, the we probably one. are. So mind you, Watford missed about twenty chances yesterday. Oh, so right, fair enough. Not, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that difference between uh, what we have scored and what our XG amount is is basically McGoldrick. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's you know there's this thing of like, but he is getting chances. Like that is good. There is a skill in getting chances, of and, and you know some of them are ones that he will create for himself either. You know, either by that sort of great movement that we often ascribe to Sharp, or you know, by dribbling past mm. someone, or getting a good shot in from long range, or, or inside the box, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's a proper conundrum. Um, it really is because I thought I really think from I really thought he was excellent, other than the chances. And you'll say, well, he's a striker, that's what he's there for, and I understand that. But I don't think we're as good when McGoldrick doesn't play. Yeah. I don't think he's got that link up. The only other thing I thought of is maybe played him in the number ten role, but whether that'll work, I'm, I'm really not sure. 
Yeah, I don't know. It could do. I mean, he's quite a unique player because he is very good defensively in terms of like pressing as well and winning mm. the ball. He was one of the best strikers in the championship last year, I think, at winning the ball uh, high up the pitch. So, yeah. I'd, I'd certainly give that a go. I'd, I really would. I think he is important to us. And it's just that final thing. And I don't know, it's going to be an interesting one for what Wilder does against Everton because obviously Moussa came on, gave us something different. Robinson, you'd have thought, would have been fit again. It's going to be interesting to see who he picks. Mm, definitely. I think it might have gone with Sharp if not being sent off. Because I thought Sharp made a massive difference when he came on. He did do very well, Sharp, yeah. Um, McGoldrick's other chances. There was one in the first half from a free kick, which he was offside, I believe. Um, well, flag... was that offside? I didn't realise that. Yeah, so. the flag went up just as he'd kind of kicked it out. But, I mean, you could say, well, he should still... Well, I don't know. That, that looked quite a difficult chance, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I said at the time to him, mate, I said that because a few people were grumbling around me, saying, I'm a Goldrick again. And I said, mm. I think that's a bit of a tricky one. He's stretching, you know. He's, yeah, yeah. Not... yeah. It, uh, it had done well to score from there, I think. Um, second half, he had... Uh, a re... Well, he forced the good save from Gunn from, uh, from close range. He saved it with mm. his feet. But, again, you're sort of like... You know, can you do? Can you hit that harder? Can you know put it more towards the corner? It was very close. It was like six yard box, wasn't it? I thought that was in. I were up because I thought, well, yeah. this is it. So, like you say, six yards out, ball were whipped across. We were a good pace on the on the cross. I think it was sharp, weren't it? Across it. Mm, it was, yeah. It's a bit of left Vestergaard uh, on the floor, sharp. Yeah, and I thought that were in. I were up jumping for that, and then obviously the volley, weren't they, at the end as well? Which, like, which weirdly was probably like the even though it was off target it was probably like yeah. the closest to actually being a goal if you know what I mean you yeah. know it was, it was quite an unstoppable shot yeah I mean that's the thing with him and th- this is probably completely unfair but I always feel maybe we said this last week but I just feel the harder the chance the more likely he is to score it I am yeah I think that I think there's a few players like that around you you expect sort of to not score the easy one but then not score the world is I, it's I'd, I'd personally I'd stick with him I would as well I'd, whether in a front two or as a ten, I'm not sure. Probably as a front two against Everton because that'll be a tough game and against Liverpool, and then maybe try him in a, in a deeper role against like the so-called lesser teams. But I'd stick with him personally because I just think he offers us so much in terms of his all-round play. Yeah, uh, I would as well, at least for a bit longer. I mean, you know, th- there's value in getting chances even if you don't always take them. And you know, we saw last season he's. Um... You know, he's not a great finisher. That is, as you kind of said, that's why he was available to us mm. um, on a free transfer. But was that his best goal scoring record last year? Fifteen. Uh, I don't think of his career, but it was for a long time. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I think he scored quite a few for Ipswich before his injury, didn't he? And then, but I think only in one season, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, because he was linked to move to Leicester, weren't he, for about eight million or something? He scored so. sixteen in twenty twelve, thirteen on loan at Coventry in League One. Mm. Um, he, he actually, apart, yeah, that was only his second season of double figures um, in the championship. Was last. Well, season. I'm just looking. He's got 36 Sorry, in 133 for Ipswich, which is not a superb goal scoring record, is it? No, I guess not. But yeah, we. I mean, we knew this last season. You know, he's, yeah, he's kind yeah. of underperforming his xG last season. But then, you know, he still got the goals, and there's all that other stuff that he had as well. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I would stick with him, but. Yeah, I'm going. I'm ready for him to find the back of the net already. Anyway. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for him as well. It's not one of these players where I, I, because it's such a the hardest thing in football is to score goals. Obviously, everyone knows that, and the all-round play and the effort and everything that he puts in, and you can see he looks absolutely distraught, and you can see his confidence sort of draining away every miss and. 
I just hope he gets one in soon. Because like I said, when he scored against Derby, that brilliant chip that he scored, he went on a run of like, I think he scored in the next four or three out of the next four or something. So Yeah, he did go on a, on a nice little run. I mean, the one thing I, I, I've always liked with him is he, he didn't let his head drop at all. No, he um, was always asking for the ball, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I mean, if you remember the, uh, uh, the, the Derby at home, Last season, he missed the penalty. Mm. I think he would still went on to be probably one of our best players on that. Well, night. I'm about to mention that actually. Funny you should say that because mm. I'm about to say that I think that shows how much he gave it. Although he missed a penalty and he didn't look prolific, he never looked like he was going to score. Our game went to pieces when C went off and Leon Clark came on, which mm. was less to do with Leon Clark and more to do with McGoldrick dropping deep, spraying it around. I thought we lost control a little bit, and that's what he offers us. Absolutely, um, and you saw it late on, didn't you, in in this game against Southampton? I mean, when he dropped into, yeah, you know, we we basically <laughs> chucked everybody on, and he, he he was able to drop off, and you know, he's just switching play beautifully, and you know, sort of dribbling away from defenders and stuff. You're like, oh, just please. Just I, I would try him in that role, <laughs> maybe not against Everton, maybe not against Liverpool, but I would get a go against Watford, or maybe even in the Cup. I don't know. You know yeah. of, I don't know. But I'm with you. Uh, annoying as as it is, uh, <laughs> keep him in the team, please. Um, yeah. All right. Next annoyance. Can't not mention this. VAR strikes. The first. I knew it. We knew it were coming. <laughs> I think this, is this the first VAR incident we've properly been involved in, apart from you know just to check something that didn't have. Anything. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the first. One. Yeah. So free kick comes in from uh, I think it's from Norwood, wasn't it? Yeah. It was yeah. Good free kick again, actually. From Norwood. A good free kick. Egan um, either flicks it or misses it. Uh, and then McBurney's at the back post and smashes it in. And I don't know. I'm I'm not in a good position for this because I'm on on the cop, as I said. But I didn't get any like I didn't have any instant impression of like oh that might be offside. Um, I did purely okay. purely due to the Southampton players' reactions, right. who immediately all ran to the ref. And I thought mm. the fact that they all did it, it wasn't a they didn't talk to each other and then do it. You know, they all went straight there. And I thought ah this could be tricky. And I wasn't that surprised when it got disallowed. Yeah, I mean, having seen it again, Egan does have a, a glance immediately at the line. Yeah, yeah, I think you've got to do it. It's, it's, t- it's a difficult one, but, I mean, he's got to go for it, Egan. I can't blame him for it or anything like that. And, yeah. Because so, I think that was the right decision. Yeah, so I've not seen this in great detail, but the the sort of screenshot um, from the VAR with the you know with the blue line of where the mm-hmm. last defender is, um, it's actually Egan that's offside, isn't it? Not, I don't yeah, think it's not McBurney, it's Egan, Sorry, yeah. McBurney, um, I might have said McGoldrick earlier, I remember Bernie. Um, Aldridge, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it was offside. I mean, it's it, it's the correct decision, isn't it? It's just yeah. uh, it's just annoying. I, I will say I don't buy this thing of like, oh, well, if we didn't have VAR, then the goal would have stood. I mean, there's no way of knowing that. The linesman might have put his flag up. Yeah. yeah it might have just been one of these. The uh, linesman's like, mm, I'm not actually sure if that was offside or not, but we have the technology, so... You know, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to put my flag up. Maybe he had a word with the ref and said, "I think this might be offside." I mean, um, that it was a huge moment in the game. That it changed. The Southampton fans all started singing again after, which is understandable. We we started a chant off, and then it sort of died out really quickly. Yeah. I don't you notice that, like sort of I when did. it got disallowed, and I think we were all a bit deflated, and it, it the, the crowd were a bit down, and, and then they took control after that. It did suck the air out of us, I think, definitely. Um, yeah. And and yeah, it did, psychologically it did seem to make a difference on the pitch. I completely agree. Um, yeah, they seem to they seem to just have a spell after that of just like. I wouldn't say they were peppering us or anything, but they certainly had much more control of the ball. And I said to my friend at the time, it's like they conceded. It were like they were losing. Mm. They came at us as if, wow, we've only got 20 minutes or whatever it was to get a goal. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was. Um... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Sorry, that's a long going. Sorry about that. <laughs> so it's like your VAR alarm. Yeah, my VAR. Yeah, yeah. Just every time it comes on, actually, it shows. Don't want to rant about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about VAR some more because more more stuff happened uh, of contentious variety in this game. Uh, James Ward-Prowse handball. Apparently, mm. what, what do you make of that? I think in the new laws, it's definitely an handball. I, d- I think it's it's harsh because I don't really know what he can do. But in these new laws, that's got to be a penalty, hasn't it? I don't know. I don't. Think You're not having it. No, I don't think it is. Um, I think because I thought if it's is it, if it's in an unnatural position uh, that you know it, that's got to be, and he obviously has got it. It is in an unnatural position. He has to do it. Don't get me wrong. But from the penalties that I've seen given recently especially last season in the Champions League and stuff, I think that's got to be a penalty based on that. Mm. I think it's harsh on Ward-Prowse, and I think this time last season it wouldn't have been a penalty. But with the new laws, I think you've got to give a penalty for it. Yeah, I mean, one thing to to clarify um, that I know some people uh, have not grasped, including the person sat in front of me um, in the stand, is that the, there's like differing laws for attacking and defending. So if it hits... If you're yeah. an attacking team and it hits you on the hand and you gain an advantage from it in terms of like getting a shot off or scoring, it's it's automatically handball. But yeah, the more... match today commentator said the same, and everyone I saw some people on Twitter saying, "Why, why, why is it different? What's he on about?" And it weren't the commentator's fault. He was just yeah putting out the laws, you know. Yeah, well, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying the good law, but it is the law. So there is yeah. a dif- there is a difference for attackers and defenders. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess you could say it's a natural position, but is he not just? I don't know. I, I feel like he's just. You know, he's sort of jumping in a crowd. Your arm's going to go up a little bit. If his arm's above his head and it makes contact, mm-hmm. which is also specified in, in the in the new laws of, like, I think if your arm's above shoulder height, that is much more likely to be given as a handball. But I didn't feel that this was. Um, the other thing is, having not given it, there's absolutely no way in hell VAR is overturning it, which is, again, you can debate whether yeah. that's right or wrong and whether that's... Or rather, whether that's good or bad, but mm. that's you know we, we've already seen a few weeks into the season the the bar for overturning a decision um, a subjective. Did you decision. see the Liverpool Newcastle match by any chance? I didn't actually. Oh, there was a blatant penalty for Liverpool that VAR checked after. It was a blatant, and they didn't give it. And you were like, well, right. So what's the point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like looking back at that decision, it was, it was so blatant, and obviously that wasn't as blatant as the, the Liverpool thing or anything like that but it is difficult they're not going to overturn decisions unless it's so clear cut that you know it's, it's a bit embarrassing yeah um, so yeah that, it, it was annoying because you know you still appeal for a penalty and it's a bit like cricket really you kind of you have to appeal and hope you get the on-field decision almost because yeah. yeah. the bar for overturning is you know it's, it stays with the on-field decision is what they're trying to do a lot of the time how um, did you feel about it being disliked obviously it's the first time we've experienced that I mean in terms of just a, a, as a fan did it annoy you that it yeah, had been... I hated it I hated yeah it so I was exactly the same it, it, I was saying because I was ranting like as you do when you lose and I was like oh, it just sucks the fun out of football they're trying to stop goals not make goals and and it, it, it was annoying, weren't it? it was because it would it's that moment of joy which is what all football fans go to the matches for mm. and then to have it snatched away from you two minutes later rather than just an immediate decision. Yeah, really, really hard to say. It's going to take some real getting used to. It's, I don't quite know how to articulate this, but it, it, it kind of just sort of... Uh, what's the word? It, it kind of just snaps you out, the, out of the feeling of being a football match in a way. Like It, it sort of just breaks the... Yeah. It kind of breaks the immersion a little bit of like... 
I don't know. It, I, it's hard to explain. I guess. It's, yeah, I do understand. I, I understand I, what you're trying to get. At, I have a weird, a weird. This is a, so stupid, but this is the it, the, the uh, analogy that just popped into my head. It's like being absorbed in a film at the cinema, and suddenly they just switch the lights on in the middle of the film, and yeah. you're suddenly like, "Oh, I'm I'm at the cinema," um, and that's kind of what it was. It's like I don't know. It just suddenly, suddenly it sucked me out of the feeling of being at a football match. If you like, it's suddenly this alien thing. It's, it's almost like. Um, I guess it's almost like watching the match on a stream and then you see on Twitter that like somebody's got sent off or somebody scored or something <laughs> yeah, like that. And yeah, like, that, that makes, yeah, that's and, good. And then that, you, yeah. see it, you see it go in and it's like, uh, yeah, that's good, I guess. Like, But I already know it happened, so I don't know. This is, It'll uh, be interesting the next one, um, the next goal we score, how I, cer- I certainly will be sort of, you know, looking over my shoulder at the, at the VAR screen. Yeah, I guess the only thing I, t- I I don't feel like any of our other goals, and feel free to correct me here, um, either scored or conceded, really, um, have had an obvious like, oh, hang on a minute, was was that offside? Was there a foul? Was that on ball? I mean, I know we, people said about the, I know some people said afterwards with the Leicester Harvey Barnes one, but I've already talked yeah, about that yes. one, but yeah. So I hopefully think, not. But I I thought the Anderson one, uh, the uh, Tammy Abraham one last week was. Immediately a foul, but it wasn't. It was just poor goalkeeping. But that's mm. the only one I can think of that I was like, shouting, VAR! <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I just want to make sure I mention that. It's not an annoyance. It's the opposite, in fact. But uh, Henderson, comfortably his best game of the season. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, definitely. I thought just his save were brilliant, but his all-around game, his kicking were much better. His handling were brilliant. Yeah. He, he would probably have... But arguably our best player, to be honest. Well, yeah, I thought of you when he was uh, awarded the Man of the Match award. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my friend said exactly the same. He said, but, oh, yeah, yeah, we haven't scored. But yeah, he actually Anderson. deserved it. He, I, I would say he deserved it. Um, yeah, I, and he, he even got a header, didn't he, on, uh, at the end of the game? He did a, a 0.04 XG header. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that one down. Yeah, it was a, it was a good effort. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I thought he was basically flawless. I mean, yeah, you know, no real chance with the goal. Um so yeah, but actually, let's talk about that. That's my next annoyance: is another bad goal conceded. I think. I mean, that's it. Talk me I through. That... Talk me through what you what you saw happen there. What your emotions were. To be honest, I, will, I think I was looking at the, the the clock to see how long we'd gone because it was just such a safe position. Mm. Next thing I knew, sort of Lundstrom sort of stretching to get this ball. And it's like, whoa, what's happening? And he had. I mean, obviously, Noel was trying to bring him down and then decided not to, which I've, I don't understand why. I don't understand why he didn't go through with that, you know, bringing him down when it were obviously weren't going to catch him. And then the defending after that from Egan and O'Connell I thought were just really, really sloppy. I think there were like four people in that goal that you can sort of point fingers at and say you could have done better there. I think that's a fair summary, yeah. Um, I did think it was a bad ball by Norwood. Uh, uh, yeah. Gonna, you know, if he doesn't make that pass, or rather if he doesn't underhit that pass, um, and sell Lundstrom short. None of this happens because, as you say, it was such a safe position. You know, we were under no pressure. At all. we had the ball on the edge of our area, and there was no one within twenty yards of it. I no, we think. weren't on a break or anything. It wasn't like he had to be that quick. Or he, he, he's done this before, though. We always laugh that uh, you can send a ball eighty yards straight to someone's foot, but you put a, a five-yard pass, and not, you know, and a lot of times he sort of just messes it up. And I don't know if it's because he's that good at passing. That it almost be, it's a bit of a lazy thing. It, be, it sort of becomes automatic, and he's not thinking about it. Or I, I really don't know. I think a little bit's usage. I think you know he's just he is the man that is on the ball the most. So we, yeah, that we could kn- be true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, you 
I kind of felt coming out of this game like he'd been pretty poor and he'd given it away quite a bit. And then you look at the stats and he's like, he's misplaced like six passes in the entire game out of like 65. I thought it was good like. first half. I thought he put two brilliant balls yeah. in for Baldock. Baldock should have probably maybe got better control on that. It was a difficult high, but he's you the know, one. I, I see a lot of criticism about him and I, I, I don't. I, I, I want him in the team every week, personally. Yeah, I, I, I just saying to. Now that I've had some time to think about it, I actually think he had a pretty good game. He just uh, yeah. he made a mistake there. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know whether you saw United just tweeted like a little montage of his, his some of his long passes from this game, and it's like, oh yeah, he did all of this in one game, and it's yeah. like there's five or six absolute beauties, like particularly uh, into Baldock. Um, I mean, I get that. the I get the criticism that people say he's too slow and. You know, Southampton are a lot quicker than us on the ball, mm. especially in midfield. I thought they, they've got people just run past, and I, I understand that, but that's not his job for me. No, he's I mean, there as a deep lying man. If we're gonna, if if we want someone like that, it's a box to box midfielder. You're looking at Lundstrom. Yeah, I think defensively he actually is good. I think it's just that mm. probably I've talked about this all the time, but I think it's almost because he is not that fast and he's not like a big physical player that no. you know, we kind of don't think of him as that that way, but. You know, he consistently leads the team in like interceptions, ball recoveries, that kind of thing, because yeah. he's he's smart about it. Um he was actually unusually poor in this game. I think it's four out of eleven tackles, which I mean attempting eleven tackles is a lot as well, but yeah. I mean, four out of eleven is, is pretty poor. But one of them the goal I would have thought as well. Well, yeah, well actually I wondered if two or three of them were the goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So four, I mean yeah. just just in case nobody knows what happens here. So uh Norwood like play, he, he tries to find Lundstrom. In fact he does actually connect with Lundstrom, but um he leaves him a bit short, and Lundstrom essentially has to go into a 50-50 with, um, I don't know if it's the guy who ends up scoring, actually, Gennepo. Or, yeah, I think it is, yeah. yeah. I think it's him, yeah. Who then dribbles round Norwood, who grabs hold of him and continues to grab hold of him, inexplicably does not foul him. Uh, Gennepo runs into the box, basically sells Egan and O'Connell, uh, a dummy, leaves one of them on the backside, and then he just slides it into the corner. It's, it's a brilliant bit of finishing, but... I don't understand why Norwood doesn't foul him. I mean, that was one thing he was very smart at last season was tactical fouls, and that's absolutely one that he should have. I mean, he, he did foul him. He just didn't bring him down. You know, the this is what I like you said. All last season, he did those sort of niggly fouls that people had class as gamesmanship or whatever you want to call it, but they are important in games. That he just sort of let go of him, and I, I can't get my head around why. Take the take the yellow card. Take a free kick thirty five yards out. If they score from there, hats off. It's a one in a hundred shot. Like well done, yeah. mate. But don't let that lad run at our back uh, two of our back three and get into the box. Uh, that's that for me is worse than the pass that he he engaged the guy didn't and, and he did foul him, but he didn't bring him down. Like if you have to rugby tackle the guy to the ground, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, it's only going to be a yellow, isn't it? It's is only going to be a yellow card. You're absolutely right because there's so much defensive cover around. Uh, just it's, this is. Probably my biggest annoyance of the whole list because because we know we can do that. We know he does do that. Yeah. It was such a. I just do you think don't that maybe put off Egan and O'Connell as well. Who they seem really flat-footed, didn't they? When yeah. the, when the guy were running towards them, they. I don't know. I, I wonder if they thought well, he's going to bring he's him down. Him. Yeah, yeah, very... and sort of relax a little bit, which obviously you can't do. But I wonder if that was in there. I, I mean, I really hope that Wilder's gone over that this week um, mm. and just been like. Why didn't you foul him? Do it next time because you know we're we're gonna have skillful attacking players running at our defence every yeah. other week. 
foul the guy. Don't let him run into the box. Like particularly, I mean, what was that? It was like the seventy eighth minute or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, no, sixty six minutes. Bit Which early, I would, but... Yeah, I've, yeah. I've not, I've not watched this one back a million times like the others. So. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, look, there's, there's twenty five minutes to go. He hasn't been booked um, already up to that point. No. I'm not sure he's been booked this season. If he has, it's only one or two. Just foul the guy. Oh. Yeah. Very, very frustrating. What's annoyed me about that goal is it's not the first time. I think I, how many goals we conceded? Is it six five? Or seven? I think uh, I've got it. Six. Six, and yep. I'd say all but two of those were our fault mm-hmm. in some way, like in a big way as well. You got Basham's mistake against Leicester, Norwood against Southampton, and the two against Chelsea. That yep. their goals that. That's nothing to do with the quality of the. Oh, obviously, it was a good finish from the Southampton guy. I'm not, I'm not. But they, they should have been avoided. There's They're no avoidable. Yeah, we should have come out and not, with, with four less. We should be sat here now with more points, purely out of just being sensible and not being as sloppy. And I don't even know what it is. It's. I mean, I know you get punished more at this level, but we are making mistakes that we didn't make at all last season. Hmm. I mean, no, we did give, give, give it away a few times last season. I remember West Brom, actually, at home um, when he yeah. turned and, and passed it. And you do get punished, and I understand people make mistakes, but what we play, to, to do it in four, for four goals out of the six, it's quite hard to stomach Again, as a team who very rarely make mistakes, really. Yeah, no, I agree. It was infuriating. Um, yeah, so the, the, next, the next item on my annoyance list is Billy Sharp coming on as a substitute, being very effective... Creating a couple of chances and then Billy Sharp getting sent off. Um, did you think this was a red card? Were you expecting the red card? To come I wasn't out? expecting a red card at all when I saw it at the game. Looking back, I think yeah, yeah, I think it is a red card. I think it's. I don't know. Is is high? I don't think it's dangerous. If it had been a yellow, I think no one would have really batted an eyelid, but. I think it's not going to get overturned, put it that way. Hmm. No, it's, it's certainly not going to get overturned. I, I'm still, having seen the replay, I was really surprised at the time. Um, yeah. And yeah. Oh, yeah, I was. I, I, again, it was another one where I'm sort of looking elsewhere. Then, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah, having seen it again, I'm, I'm still a bit like, yeah, it's, it's one of them where it's, it's definitely not going to get overturned. But I still think, like, has it really sent him off for that? I know it's like it, it's a bit high, but... It, it barely touches him, does it? It's just like a rap on the shin kind of thing. It, you know, he kind of pulls out of it as soon as the ball's gone. And yeah, the guy makes the most of it. I, I, I can't deny that, but Ugh. I do think that, especially at Premier League level, where we've seen already fouls are seemingly given for mm. very, very small things, and yellow cards are often given out as well for very minor incidents. That I think you've got to send him off personally. That's just my view. I don't think uh, he can have many complaints. Fair enough. And yeah, it's not. It's certainly not getting overturned. That's for sure. I did boo the ref after, obviously, but <laughs> yeah, well, you got to, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, Mason. Yeah. Was there any? I, I'm trying. So the thing that did annoy me was I, I feel like there were a couple of challenges that were at least as bad as that in the game that mm. were not punished. I mean, there were a couple. I think they won on Baldock in the second half. Where I, I don't think we even got a free kick for it. Or you know, it wasn't, no, it yeah, wasn't I a yellow card. It weren't yeah. a yellow card. I think we got a free kick, but no yellow. And it's just like hang about. He's just gone straight through him. Like I, I actually thought when the guy lunged in, I was like, "That's a red card. He's going to get sent off here." And Mason's just like, "No, nah, you're all right. Don't worry about it. It's fine." Well, like Wilder did say after, we we need to wise up, and he said it for a couple of weeks now, aren't they? I mean, what, what that involved? I don't know if you saw his interview with the uh, the, the you know, on the club website. I've not had a chance to watch it chat. actually. Uh, he, he was basically saying it could have been quite coy but 
uh, the interviewer said something on the lines of, you don't want your teams to play like that, do you? And he said, well, no, I don't, but it seems like everybody else wants their teams to play like that. So do we have to go down that route? He said, I don't want to. But So yeah. I've seen some dives flying around <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, being uh, rational and objective, I suppose, uh, I don't feel like, you know, the referee was against us in this. I just, I don't know, just didn't really. Nah. It didn't really get the breaks, I guess. You know, I think yeah, I thought you had a poor game for both sides. They were singing the second half, and it was so clearly a corner for Southampton. I couldn't believe when he gave a goal kick. It was <laughs> one of the most obvious decisions I've ever seen. But anyway, um, all right. Next, next annoyance. Although I'm not too annoyed about this one, really. But I'm putting it in there. Che Adams. Mm. I thought he absolutely bullied us. I thought he was fantastic. <laughs> I wasn't scared at all. I said it on air uh, on the podcast last week that. I looked at their strike force and thought, nah, it didn't really scare me. He was brilliant, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's just him that we can't handle or Egan. Or, they, they struggled against him last season. Yeah. But he looked every bit a, a top premiership player uh, and he's been really poor for Southampton, judging by their fans' comments. Yeah. So I'm quite surprised at how well he played and arguably the difference between the two teams. I don't think we got anywhere near as much out of McBurney as they got out of Shea Adams. No, I, I strongly agree with that. I think, um, so he was kind of playing as a, sort of a lone striker when he was like the, mm. the front of a, a three with two two wide forwards behind him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny, and I, I went through the kind of stats afterwards, and not much that he did actually showed up on the on the stat sheet, if you like, you know, in terms of, I think his like attacking aerial duels, I think he, according to that, he only went for four, so I think he won like two out of four, or three out of four, or something yeah. like that, but I mean, the ball just stuck to him. He, he he was brilliant at making us, you know, kick it out, essentially, or head it out, you know, just, just chasing things, turning. I mean, we, we were having things where, like, you know, we'd be on the attack and suddenly five seconds later, Southampton have got a corner because they basically just hit it to Adams. He's, he's dribbled, he's gone and had a shot or just kicked it off a defender or something. But I'm a little bit frustrated with how we played him. Like, it, it was so easy for him to bring yeah. it down on halfway. And I, I just thought, like... Can someone just go through the back of him? Like, I don't mean... This <laughs> yeah, a... we did the same in the second half at Birmingham last season. Uh, mm. It was exactly the same thing. We were letting him get under control, using his strength. We all know he's got a bit of pace as well. Yeah. It was really frustrating how he handled him, yeah. I mean, yeah, he yeah. didn't score, obviously, but he did pretty much everything else. And he hit the post, obviously, a great, great strike. And, yeah, I thought I thought you were excellent. And and I said, because I, I always have an half an hour rant after a match <laughs> where I'd start saying... Wilder should leave and, you know, <laughs> sack the board or whatever, you know, and everything comes out. I just talk nonsense. People who hear me must think I'm just a lunatic. But one of the things I said, like, was, so many Shea Adams, you know, what are we going to be like when Salah comes and Kane and all these sort of people? But that's probably the best centre-forward bit of play I've seen this season against us. Yeah, I yeah. think I think Including Tammy Abraham. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd uh, agree with that. Um, yeah, I just, I don't mean anything malicious by, like, go through the back room. I just mean, like, just don't show him so much respect. Like mm. you know, just get, if you're going up for a challenge on halfway, just you know, take him out, win the ball. Worse, worse you're going to get is a free kick there, and yeah, you know, yeah. maybe maybe that just puts him off his stride a little bit, and then he's, you know, he's, he's kind of less willing to be, you know, going shoulder to shoulder with you for these sort of fifty fifties. But again, there were a few times where I thought like, just fall over. You know, if, if Adams is nudging yeah. you, fall over. And it'll probably yeah. be a foul because we've seen it be a foul elsewhere on the pitch. So I think this is what Wilder's alluding to, isn't it, in his interviews, yeah. being more street smart and being wiser. And I we get, do. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say I get that you shouldn't need to do that. You know, Egan shouldn't need to fall over as he's heading the ball out of play, that kind of thing. But you kind of do. 
Like, yeah. It's just the yeah. reality. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't want to bleat on about refereeing or anything, but it, it does seem to be a different league in terms of how things are going to be officiated. And we, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that it's costing us points by being too honest almost. I, I, uh, I'm really surprised at all the view froms I've done so far. We've sort of, as as a fan base, sort of criticised the referee in pretty much all the games, including the ones the, the one that we won or the good results. We've, mm. and they don't see anything at all wrong. But they they're quite surprised when, when they look on our forums and our on Twitter and stuff. They're quite surprised that, especially Southampton fans, that we thought that were a, a fairly poor refereeing performance or that was a you know they were. Their, their players were going down easy because I think it's become so entrenched in that division once you've been in it a few years that yeah. I think it really is so different to the championship how players react to, to challenges yeah no I think that's completely fair um, alright that that was most of my annoyances I think have been, <laughs> have been aired there uh, is there any anything else that uh, cheesed you off during this game uh, or about this game just the entire game Lisa. <laughs> That, yeah, just annoyed me. Now I think that what's most annoying is I, I thought it was. I didn't think it was a good performance by United by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, I don't think we should have lost. I don't think there's any way we should be losing that that match. Yeah, well, that, that was actually my next question: was did we play well? Um... I think they had two shots second half. Southampton, I think. Mm. There were two two proper chances. Where Henderson saved one, and then obviously the goal. Yeah. Whereas we had at least four excellent chances in that half. Yeah, so the the big chance count overall is three to United, uh, four to Southampton. Um, the actual uh, where was this? The actual xG for the game was was edged by us one eight eight one five eight, and actually most of that was McGoldrick. I think he had one point two just on his yeah. own. Um, yeah, just looking at the second half now. Yeah, they they only had five shots in the whole of the second half. Um, I mean, this is the thing. So. I... I think you could actually make a case this was our best performance of the season in a weird way. You know, it's, I would say it's our most consistent performance, particularly attacking-wise. I mean, we had I would like to say I'd, I would agree with you in an attacking sense. I think we yeah. created more chances than we had done all season. I thought defensively it certainly wasn't the best performance. That's very fair. Um, but yeah, we so we had 38 shots in our previous four games, so slightly less than 10 a game. Um, we had 17 on Saturday. Um, mm. And yeah, I think it was a high, a highest XG, you know, three big chances and and plenty of other good opportunities as well. That ones, you know, ones that didn't fall to McGoldrick. You got, um, you know, Fleck had that header over the bar. Yeah. Didn't he? Uh, I'm, I've, my mind's suddenly gone blank. But if you look, there, at, there was one as, the, as well where Fleck he probably should have passed it to Lundstrom and he shot it at the side net end. You know, it meant oh for yeah, bro. I was just about to say, yeah, the amount of times we broke into the box down the flanks, um, particularly mm. in the first they gave, half. They gave Baldock so much space on that right-hand side, yeah. particularly the first half. And we, I won't, I won't even say that we didn't capitalise on it in terms of, because we created a lot of chances from it. It mm. wasn't, yeah, it really frustrating because it was actually a, a really good game. I imagine a mm. neutral would have loved that uh, yeah. to watch it. It was like a basketball match at times. You're end-to-end. Both teams went for it. I, I was quite surprised at how attacking Southampton works. I looked at the lineup and thought, because mm, obviously Ings were on the bench, and and I thought, are they going to, you know, be a bit more cautious? But they, yeah, they they went for it. We went for it, and that's why it's so frustrating because we didn't. I don't think we played bad. I just think very sloppy mm. in both areas is the reason we've lost. That's it's a, nothing to do with... I don't think they were miles better than us or anything. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, sloppy at both ends of the pitch, basically, mm-hmm. which is, uh, is is not a good combo. And, and yeah, you, 
you know, if you're a, if you're a Southampton fan, you say, well, but for their goalkeeper, we'd have won that comfortably. And for yeah. us, we say, well, if our finishing had been better and if we didn't pass it straight to Gineppo, uh we probably would have been better as well. Um, well, their fans were really complimentary on the view from after. I know people don't like to read it after, <laughs> after a defeat. I, I hate doing it as well. I, so I, I couldn't read it until this morning, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I, I hate doing it, to be honest, after a defeat. But... And they were really complimentary, saying, you know, even game, we were lucky. There were a few people, obviously, who didn't agree with that viewpoint. But they were both basically all saying that could have gone either way. Good game. Mm. They, they, they were decent. A few people said they were surprised by how well we played in terms of passing and stuff. And it was a good game. If you if you take a step back, and this is where I'm trying to be a bit more optimistic, is if you take a step back, it was, that was a decent premiership performance, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but with really big errors that cost us. Yeah, you mentioned the the sort of team selection for Southampton, and yeah, they they switched to a back three. Um, mm. and they, from what I uh, understand and what my um, guest from the SFC Delivery podcast said last yeah. time, they play a uh, a variant of four two two. Sorry, yeah, four, they four, do. Two, yeah, being four two two two. Um, as their standard formation, but this it, it, it's fascinating and also slightly annoying to me that um, how many teams are switching their styles to, to counter us. Um, yeah, Bournemouth did the same in the first exactly, game. Yeah, um, and I can't remember if Palace did as well. I'm sure someone else has that we've played recently. It might have been maybe Leicester, but it's like, come on, <laughs> give us a chance. Can't we, yeah, can't we I mean that, that also about shows that they are scared, and it shows mm. that they the how is. good our tactics are and how impressive we are as a team working as a team mm. we have to overcome it don't we we've, we've got to overcome that sort of matching up sort of well i think we have it this is what's the annoying thing is we i don't think we deserve to lose i think i don't think it were the tactics that as much as i'm complaining about the flat three in midfield i don't necessarily think that lost us the game no i thought I th- fleck did well actually you know he got he did get forward a lot didn't he yeah. a couple of shots himself i mean <laughs> at a moment of like I don't know how to explain this, really, but you know, Fleck had that shot in the second half, and it it only went like a foot wide or something, a couple of feet yeah. wide. And as he was hitting it, I was just, I just was like, no. And then I didn't even like, <laughs> I didn't even stand up to see it like go wide. And then suddenly I had like a a moment of like, oh god, what if that had gone in? Like, how would yeah. I have reacted? Because it's just like, don't shoot from there, pass it yeah. to someone instead. But I think I've just been conditioned too much to. Uh... I thought he was the best outfield player, Fleck. I thought he got on yeah. the ball. He drove forward, he tried to support the attack, he got back as well. I didn't want him in the team, to be honest, because I thought Freeman were unlucky, but I think you've got to keep him in. It'd be interesting. I think we'll still keep with the flat three against Everton. You imagine it'll be the same three. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully Flat can carry that on, because I thought it was excellent, to be honest, on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Southampton, they, they played really compact as well to the average positions. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have just... Just chucked a, a large blanket over them all. I think so. All sort of, yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, just the width of the box and you know, just sort of ten yards of uh, the halfway line. Look really compact. So, you know, even with that, I still think we got through them quite well. I, I know what you mean. I, I don't know if I can say that we deserve to win, but I, I can't believe we didn't score. Put it like that. Yeah, but um, I think we. I draw a bit. I think the first twenty minutes they were better. The last twenty minutes they were better. The bit in between we were better. That's the simplified terms. That's how I'd see it. I think. Yeah. We probably created better goal scoring opportunities, but you've got to remember they hit the post and Endo pulled a, a wonder save off as well. So they'd have been disappointed to lose. Yeah. I think if that McBurney goal stands, or you know, I don't want to go back into VAR and stuff. I think we're going to win that game. Yeah, I think that's fair. But yeah, so. 
annoying. I was, uh, yeah, really, really ticked off after this one. And, yeah, I think we were saying it's the most annoying... Well, you said the most annoying United defeat since uh, Bristol City at home. I, That's what I've gone for, yeah. Did you mean, I presume you meant the one the season before last, right? Yeah, the season before last yeah. when we absolutely beat the post about 2,000 times and lost 2-1 <laughs> to like a last-minute Aidan Flint goal, didn't we? Yeah, after Flint got sent off, yeah. After Flint got, that were a brilliant performance. And it were another one where we just missed so many chances and you came out, oh, how did we... It was it were really much... I mean... I think another thing is it's the first game this season that I think we've got, you said it earlier that we've gone in probably expecting to get something. Mm. I think even Palace it's still unknown. You know we all knew how good they were away from home, yeah. and obviously we we failed to count with no points. So it it is more frustrating than that. I think if you'd have lost one nil to Man City that way, you might be be able to take it more and say, well, you know what, positives there. But that's one of the sort of games you you look at to get three points from if you're trying to stay up in it. Yeah, this is the weird thing with Premier League football where. It, <laughs> If Southampton had come and, you know, just come and absolutely dominated us and won three 0 we'd probably feel less annoyed than we do right now, having lost. I said exactly that after the game. I said exactly that. I said I'd rather, obviously I wouldn't, but I'd rather have just lost four 0 got hammered, and just say right, clean slate, let's start again. But yeah. so close to getting something. That's it, and it? it's that like you know we they're going to finish mid table at the very least. You know, it might yeah. be it might be upper mid table and. We could have beaten them if, if things had just broken a bit differently for us, if we'd finished a bit better, if we'd fouled someone. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, just like uh, fine margins. But... My main worry with it is I think we've got two tough games coming up. I know Everton mm-hmm. were poor yesterday, but they've got a really good home record. And obviously yeah. Liverpool, you won't expect anything from that. And so that look, you're looking at one win in eight if that worst-case yeah. scenario happens, <laughs> which puts so much pressure on the Watford game after that. It does that, a little bit. Yeah, that, that was my worry that... I'd have loved to, even if it was just a point, just to keep us ticking over. But, you know, there's a good chance we could be in the bottom three by the time we play Watford. And then, I mean, it's early days still. I'm certainly not getting worried and saying, oh, that's it, we're, we're down, that's what's done. But <laughs> I think you, that pressure starts coming on, doesn't it, once you, yeah. you know, you sink into that bottom three and go quite a while without winning. But who knows, might pull, pull something off next week. Potentially. I can guarantee if we lose next week and we lose to Liverpool, there will be some people saying, that's it, we're, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. it's coming i'll um, be doing it straight after the match so. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's let's move on there was um there was some fairly significant news this morning um which we've yeah. been i guess expecting for uh, a couple of weeks or so um ownership battle court case resolved verdict or is it <laughs> well, verdict delivered and uh yeah prince abdullah uh has won the case which means uh, Kevin McCabe must sell uh, his 50% to Prince Abdullah for £5 million, which is, well, I don't want to be facetious about it, but that's going to sting a bit, isn't it? You know, it's got to run it. That's yeah, a 50% that, that stake. Is, that, it's just ridiculous. It's I do feel for him, McCabe. I think it's his own fault that he's got himself into this position. Mm. I've got very little sympathy for him in a, in a business sense, but... I mean, you do think of the money he's put in that he's going to lose the club for five million just as they got to the Premier League. It's oh yeah, you won't really want to wish that on your worst enemy, would you? You wouldn't, um, but you did also uh, hit the nail on the head there. That um, you know, this is kind of the uh, the bed he's made for himself. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's not like uh, Prince of Dulles, uh you know, pulled a fast one here or anything. This is a, an agreement yeah. that they entered into mutually. Um, and basically, one of them has uh, won the right to buy out the other for the, the the same price. So, you know, whichever way this had gone, the the thing would have been the same, wouldn't it? We'd be talking about yeah. the, other, the other party going, "Well, blimey, five million for a fifty percent in a Premier League club, woof." Um, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I think that obviously the obviously the 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 more attachment to Kevin McCabe, and I do understand the outpouring of grief that I've seen on Twitter <laughs> and stuff like saying, "Oh my God, what's happening, Kevin McCabe?" He's got. I don't know. I think he's got to let go at some point. I don't buy this. He'd have left us in good hands because he's left us in in the hands of someone who's he's in court with or he's just been in court with. So I don't buy that argument that mm. you will leave us in any better condition than Prince Abdullah would. I think there's a lot of Project Fear to borrow a phrase from mm. <laughs> from Brexit about uh, about Prince Abdullah with what he's going to do with the training ground and the ground and nobody knows nobody knows what's going to happen and that is worrying. It can be exciting depending on which way you look at it. Yeah, I mean. I've got to be honest, I don't really... What's the best way to put this? I don't really care who won this court case, I think, is probably the the, yeah. the best way to put it. I mean, from what I understand, both parties want to sell pretty much immediately to uh, yeah. to a, a new owners. Um, so, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're kind of... Uh, staunchly wanted McCabe to win, well, that's some bad news because he was going to sell pretty much straight away if he did. I think um, the, only re- the only good thing with McCabe winning was possibly that he owned the ground. So it's going to take longer for Prince Abdullah hmm. to sell because obviously he's got to get rights to the ground and if McCabe appeals and it could go on and on and on and on. Yeah, I think that's... It may have been easy to sell if McCabe was the chairman, but at the same time, I think McCabe would have probably kept a, a 15% share or something in there. I don't think he'd have sold follow yeah, potentially. I mean, the the only thing I would say is there was a bit better the devil you know for me. I think of like, yeah, you know, McCabe. Maybe I have a low bar here, but we haven't turned into Bolton in the time that McCabe has been the owner. Um, and you know, I, th- I think you'd be hard pushed to say that his heart is not in the right place in terms of you know the future of Sheffield United and the, and the yeah. present of Sheffield United. But yeah, so I was kind of like, I, I, I think maybe I'd have been more comfortable with that. But I, I agree, there's there's a lot of I don't know. I think people are uh, throwing throwing around some stuff with uh, with Prince Abdullah that is uh, I don't know. Some of it I haven't seen much evidence to it. I mean, you know, all right, Saudi Arabia is uh, has serious human rights issues, and mm. um, yeah, that is that is always going to be uh, at best questionable. But that's not changed. He's been at the club six changed. years. You know, yeah. that's that's not sort of a new. Exactly. thing that's come in if you had problems with that before then you should have where not have been for the last six years yeah yeah where have you where have you been and you this say. is the thing where as i said mccabe sold to prince abdullah whether it is i, I don't really i mean people are saying oh yeah but it came out in court that prince abdullah is, is skin and stuff i don't think that were actually the case at all i think that's what kevin mccabe are claiming or kevin mccabe side kevin mccabe side were claiming and i think we're in such a new ball game now that as you said i think he's just going to try and sell anyway i don't think it really matters Mm. how much money Prince Abdullah's got because I, I don't think he's really going to have to spend it because I think he'll try and sell pretty yeah. much as soon as he can. It's it's basically, it's, it's two businessmen who don't have that much money. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean obviously, obviously they do. I, I, think, uh, I can't remember the exact wording. but I, They've got I, more than me. But... Yes. <laughs> well, that, that is pretty much what it says in the uh, in the ruling, which I, I'm, I'm making my way through because it's surprisingly interesting. It is. Um, but yeah, it, it says, is. you know, by, you know, by most measures, both of these men are wealthy, but... Uh, certainly, in terms of football ownership, they're not particularly wealthy. So, either way, we were going to we weren't going to end up with this kind of uh, I don't know magic solution that was going to pump loads of money in. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's two businessmen with with not very much. Um, I mean, I think the most for me the the thing I wanted out of this was for it to stop. You know, that yeah. was uh, all the way through the summer while this was kind of being reported on Twitter and you know in the Star and the national media and stuff and. 
I just wanted it to not be happening. And I think, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people wanted that. And, and one of them was, you know, pretty publicly Wilder as well, I think. You know, he's... Yeah. Well, he's already said, hasn't he, that he doesn't want an appeal. Don't want an appeal. He, you know, he's... Uh, I think this was in the... I think it was in Danny Hall's book um, as yeah. well. He's saying, you know, it's so important that everybody's pulling in the right direction. And, and I will say, you know, credit to both uh, co-owners. Mm. They have not put barriers in, in the way. You know, look at the money we spent in the summer. We did invest the previous year as well. They have... Uh, clearly, if, if they've been putting barriers in Wilder's way, he won't be here. He's been pretty out. Well, this is why I don't buy the Project Fear thing, because mm. those, that, you know, those signings have to be signed off by Prince Abdullah. The, he's... I don't think he's like, oh, I don't really want to do that. You know, I think it's, it is a joint sort of thing. And I don't think, I don't think much will change uh, no, initially. I don't at, think so, at all, to be honest. You know, it's a bit, I keep seeing people being like, oh, you know, just completely unsubstantiated. Like, I, I get the impression that uh, either Wilder doesn't like him or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, hang about. He was on the, he was a co-owner when we hired Wilder. I mean, I, I also remember, I mean, I, I, most notably as well in the last season, he he used to mention Kevin McCabe a lot, Chris Wilder's interviews. He definitely made a, I think anyway, made a sort of more of a point to mentioning the Prince as well when he was saying at the back end it got and thank you to Prince Abdullah and Kevin McCabe. Mm. I, I, I mean, there's a meeting, I don't know if you've seen this, there's a meeting on Thursday at a forum. Uh, oh, just with Prince Abdullah's representatives and Chris Wilder and Betis is there as well. So obviously more will become clear there, but I just think if Wilder would, I don't think he'd have turned up for that meeting if he were <laughs> thinking of walking. No, I mean my, yeah, I just think, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think anything's going to noticeably change uh, for the foreseeable future apart from, uh, we have an Arabic Twitter account now, so yay. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> Go that. Translate some of that. <laughs> um, I... I will say, I, I thought, um, and all right, it's just a statement, and, you know, it's supposed to be, like, positive and stuff, but I, I thought uh, the statement that came out from Prince Abdullah was, was very well written and hit all the uh, hit all the right right marks, I think, that you would kind of want to hear of this kind of thing about the future yeah. and, you know, uh, off to a promising start, we can focus on this vital Premier League season and, you know, all this I think he, either he or whoever wrote that statement will be aware that there's a bit of mistrust between the fan base. I think mm-hmm. he knows he's got to... Whether he does the things he says in the statement, that we can only wait and see, but I think that does show at least that he is sort of aware of what worries people do have. Cause, Agreed. And he's been mentioning Wilder a lot on his Twitter account uh, compared to like previous years where he was a manager and putting a picture up of him. And, and I think he is aware of people aren't quite sure what he's going to be up to and stuff and... Yeah, I, I think it was a really good statement. I, yeah. You can't read too much into it. I'm not going to say, well, that's that then, we're, we're sorted. But yeah, well, yeah, I think exactly. just, just the fact he addressed the things that people are worried about. I mean, I saw some people, they'll read the statement and say, oh, this is worrying. I'm like, I don't, I don't think it is. I was astonished by that. I, I sometimes wonder if I'm like, just if I have my head in my, in the sand or something. I mean, so yeah, well, I, I asked you about it, didn't I? Because I was like, hey, yeah. I, I hang about it. What's all this I keep reading about director of football? Why is everyone fretting about this? And you said it's because in this statement, he said, where is it? He says, uh, I'm fully committed to continue investment in both the first team and the academy and to bring best practices and the highest standards of management to the club. Now, I just read that and was like, yeah, great. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. sounds, it sounds, sounds to me like he's just saying, like, um, you know, I'm committed to running the club in a brilliant way. And, you yeah, know, better catering stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but no, did... but you know what I mean? I think that's what I saw it as. I saw it as management as the club, not management of the team. I mean, yeah. I, I agree. Or, or, you know, at the very least, uh, uh, sorry, at the very worst, it could be, you know, management of 
scouting, yeah, you know, yeah. youth coaching, the you know structure of the uh, analytics department, but also presumably, yeah, commercially and all that. So that I don't know. That, I, I guess that's a bit of a Rorschach test of uh, how how chill you are or how. And there's um, another one where there's a there's a line in it where he says something about we are looking to secure our own ground, and people say, "No, that means he's leaving Bramall Lane." He didn't say Bramall Lane. Oh but, no! Did people yeah, really and do I think that? it's just people picking up on. You know, little sort of... Oh, head and hands moment. Yeah, people want, obviously... People like... I don't think... I don't say people like to be worried. I understand it. Sheffield United, it could go wrong. You know, we could be talking this time next year saying, wow, that were the worst thing that ever happened to Sheffield United. But at this moment in time, none of us know. Nobody knows. No. We and don't, I don't, we don't think have any it evidence either way. So... I, yeah. This is kind of where I was all the way through this. It's like... It's not really much you can do about it, um, and it, but there's no reason to think that it's good or bad. So just kind of like accept it, I guess, and just see what happens. If bad things start happening, yeah, by all means, say this is a disgrace. I'll be the first, mm. you know, to, to moan about it. But so. at this moment in time, there's a lot of stuff going around that I, I don't know. I mean, there's a few things. Obviously, what the, the two things that come out of the caucus that only worry me is, and I've not read it properly, so I might have even got this wrong. Is the when Prince said he was going to use the premiership money to buy the ground, I know that's got a lot of people sort of worried that he's going to use that money because he hasn't got any of his own. But, again, I think if he, if he does do that, he's going to be looking to sell anyway, and it's easier for a sell for him if he's got the entire, you know, the, the whole of the club, the ground and everything. Mm. And the other one is the uh, Van Winkle thing, which I still can't work out, because I've read so many different versions of it now, I, I still can't work out who it was who were trying to get him on board. No, I'm not. Sure. To be honest, I'm not sure. I've not. Uh, I have not got to that part. I guess in the uh, in the judgment. So, but again, it, I think if Wilder, people saying Wilder's going to walk, he's done say eye to eye with the prince. I don't think he'd be turning up for this forum on Thursday. I don't. I think either either now on Saturday. I reckon for a start, what have happened in the court case, which were mm. weird because McCabe were there, weren't he, with the American investors, which were. Well, yeah, That's, apparently. Yeah, um, strange sort of... I think there's more to it than this, and I think more will come out in the next couple of weeks. I I don't think we've seen the last of McCabe. I don't know why, I just think... <laughs> I think he's got... Uh, I imagine he's got fingers in pies in places. Yeah, potentially. Um, I, I, I sort of feel a little bit bad about saying this, but I'm going to anyway. Um, I thought McCabe's statement was quite poorly worded. And yeah. uh, potentially... I thought it was a bit damaging. I, I, I think he's. I think he's reacted emotionally. There is. It was an angry, script. and I understand him being angry. But in a yeah. something like that, what's going out to the public? You've got to, you know, keep that in, aren't you? you? Obviously, bringing up the Bin Laden thing again was like it was such a cheap shot. I thought it's in just, the statement. This, yeah, there's the thing here where he says, uh, you know, it's, it's not the appropriate time for Mr. McCabe to comment on the detail of the judgment nor on the campaign that he feels was waged against him personally by Prince Abdullah. Um, the judge's findings, da 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 uh, and effectively attempting to cheat the McCabe family out of the value of the properties. I just think that's... Yeah. I, I thought that... I don't I think he should have done that. Um, no. And, and vice versa if it had gone the other way. I, I think, you know, whatever happens, that's, that's destabilising the club um, without... I mean, we have to say without any evidence because the the judge has ruled completely the opposite. So, well, he absolutely savaged McCabe, aren't he? The judge, really. I mean, yeah. as possibly can in, in nice words, if you like. He's, um, <laughs> yeah, he's obviously. I mean, obviously, I weren't there. I've not heard the evidence, but the judge definitely seems to be thinking that Prince Abdul's done nothing wrong whatsoever. Whereas Kevin McCabe has maybe not acted in the 
best interests. I'm not saying the best interests of the club. I don't know how to phrase this really, but maybe not sort of. Yeah, maybe being a bit of a, a an overpowering figure, shall we say? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's some. Again, I've not read the full thing um, yet, but there are definitely some paragraphs in here uh, where he, the judge essentially explains why he's ruling one way or another. And mm. yeah, uh, where was it? There was something here where. Da, 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 da. Yeah, sometimes avoided answering questions he did not wish to answer. Uh, his answers to questions too often involved assertions that were patently at odds with the documents to which he was taken or implausible explanations for the difference. Um, yeah. It's, and he called it an extraordinary performance, didn't he, the, the judge? Yeah. Um, I don't think that means extraordinary as in a Dean Anderson performance and a goal or anything there are numerous instances in which the account that he vigorously asserted and defended in the witness box was obviously wrong or the opinion that he espoused was without any proper factual basis so Mm. yeah um, do you know what as massive as it is it is quite an interesting read if you're particularly nerdy or just just really care about the future of the club i suppose but um but yeah. i think there's a lot of worry going around and i completely get that but i think people need to chill out for at least 12 months because i don't think anything's going to change in that period no i don't think so uh, i learned a new word today as well um, which i now can't remember where it was but it's in one of the statements uh impecuniosity what a word that is what does that mean it means having little or no money so it was used, uh, it must have been in McCabe's statement, actually. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very much like yeah, yeah. The, the impecunious prince, is, uh, is probably what he said. But uh, uh, It's a great word. I'm, I'm pleased that he's brought that one uh, into my life. So, yeah, well done. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing is that it is now over pending an appeal, which, uh, yeah, McCabe's statement says they're giving serious consideration to, but... Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm not. Uh, I'm not legally knowledgeable to, uh, to enough to know whether that's actually advisable for him to do. So it doesn't. Uh, doesn't look great for him. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. So before we talk about um, our next game uh, against Everton, uh, it's time to give out the alternative man of the match award brought to you by the Denblades Fanzine. Uh, so each week, Andrew and I pick out one person that we think deserves some special recognition. It's not always who had the best game, might not even be a player at all. Um, but it's someone we think deserves some special attention. It's brought to you by Denblades Fanzine, who sponsor this podcast, which also gives special recognition. Some of the best, strangest and funniest moments in United's history, all written by talented Blades fans. So, Andrew, mate, what have you, uh, who have you got for me this week? I'm going to alienate... I'm going to get people turning off this podcast and I'm going to say Prince Abdullah. <laughs> it's a good shout. Go on. Just because I, we need him to be <laughs> decent. So <laughs> I'm thinking if I praise him and he on the off chance he listens to this, then he might, you know, he might be all right for us. So I'm going to give it him out of pure hope. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's a great, uh, a great nomination. <laughs> I, I feel like Jim, Jim Phipps definitely uh, interacts with... With both of us on Twitter occasionally, so maybe yeah, he does. Yeah, he, I to... think. I mean, he got he got a lot of stick, Jim Phipps. I don't think he's like uh, in terms of his football knowledge and stuff. I think he admitted himself that he wasn't uh, the brightest in that area. But I think as a person and as a media and and social networking, uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, media play. I think he would been absolutely. We were absolutely fantastic when he was part of the club. Mm, indeed, and uh, yeah, it's uh... It'd be interesting if he gets a role back. Actually, yeah, quite. I'll see, see what some fans think of that one for sure. Um, yeah. I'm going on a similar theme. Uh, I've lost it. Mr. Justice Fancourt, of course. Yes. 
the man who has finally brought an end, probably, <laughs> to uh, to a summer of annoyance and uh, United owned by the Bin Laden. Um, <laughs> I've seen all that bit. That's come back up. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter. People talking about that again now. And yeah. uh... But he's, he's, he's cut through it uh, um, and, and he's brought an end to it. I mean, th- th- my... I don't know how realistic this was, but my major worry was like that it wasn't going to end. You know, this was just going to be mm-hmm. like, nah, you know, you guys, I don't know. I don't know what the next step would be, but basically not to actually reach. I, I think he's ended it in a way that I don't think he's given McCabe more chance of an appeal, which from what I've read, I would agree. Yeah. Which you might not like that as a McCabe fan, but as a fan of someone who just wants it to end, yeah. I think he's been pretty, he's been pretty straight with what, you know his judgment. I can't see that being overturned. Yeah, but he's uh, he's got us to a conclusion. Uh, it's also yeah, not not minced his words with some of his no. uh, some of his report as well. Um, I, I particularly recommend reading paragraph two hundred ninety six, which is about Mister Tutton, who, if we remember, I think he's I think he said he was like feeling sleepy at one point. Like, yeah, he did. He was tired. He not had much sleep. Had he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Totten also gave an extraordinary performance in the witness box. Um, I regret to I think, say... I think that's when uh, a lot of people thought this is not going to go well for McCabe when Totten stepped up and started forgetting things and saying he was tired and you were like, mm. oh. <laughs> yeah, he, he readily accepted that uh, SUL's solicitors had written parts of his witness statements for him as if that absolved him from responsibility for what was in them. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I found uh, I found from what I've read of the report so far, it's uh, it's better written than. It I was is kind of true, yeah, it is. It's, it makes a good book. I think uh, bet, the Betty's bit's quite good as well. He seems really sort of impartial to both parties, doesn't he? I Ooh. think he's he, he's not took a side at all. Actually, the, there's one bit we absolutely have to call out. Actually, which uh, you sent to me earlier. So yeah, this is again, uh, Mr. Justice Fancourt. Mm. Quote on any view. SUFC was clearly surviving on a tight budget and with both shareholders unwilling to invest more than was necessary to keep the club afloat. It is remarkable and likely be credit to the club manager and team led by executive Mr. Bettis that the club achieved promotion to the Premier League. So there you go. In a legal statement, is a fan of Chris Wilder and uh, yeah, that's it. and all yeah, the work we'll... he does. And at the end of the day, <laughs> I think that's all that matters, isn't it? I was surprised to read, actually, that it was McCabe who apparently tried to, whether for political reasons, tried to get rid of Betis. But mm. I think he's so important to Wilder, seemingly. And he's obviously done a great job, hasn't he, just by holding this together somehow. And with all this going on in the background. So, uh, yeah, as, as much as... Um... Prince Abdullah will feel he's certainly played a, played a blinder and put in a man of the match performance there. I've, yeah. got, I've got to go for Mr. Justice. I'll Fanker, go with that. I, yeah, I'm happy to concede there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got us over the line um, and yeah. we can hopefully now start to move on. So that's... It's been a poor weekend. Let's start now and bang. <laughs> you know, we're on. I love it. So there you go. Uh, Mr. Justice Fancourt is the winner of the Demblaze Alternative Man of the Match. Uh, you can pick up your copy of the fanzine from demblaze.co.uk right now. Um, the I think the latest issue is dispatching next week, I believe. So go I'm check that to. out. Um, yeah, you've got some writing in that one, haven't you? Some more. I've done, yeah, I've done a, an alternative Wednesday fan view, which funnily enough brings me on to their absolute joy at this court ruling. I don't know if you've seen it. They're absolutely delighted. It's all... They've no longer got their upper hand on us. You're like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, they seem to think that's it now. Like, we've oh. automatically been relegated. We've gone into debt with the new borough. So, I wonder if they'd have just said exactly the same if it had ruled the other way. 
oh yeah of course yeah well that's it now yeah he's never put any money in is that <laughs> the eternal likely. optimists I'll, yeah. i will give him that to be fair definitely all right uh let's move on uh to everton which is this weekend um everton are having a weird start to the season aren't they um yeah. they've been i mean so i've watched them twice well three times technically if you include the league cup against lincoln um, and they've been pretty poor in all of them. Lincoln are obviously League Two. Um, they were shocking against Villa, and you sort of think like, well, that's just you know early, early, early days in the season kind of thing. But they weren't great yesterday against Bournemouth. I think uh-huh. obviously lost that one as well. They're a much different beast at home, though. Um, and yeah, this is going to be a tough game, isn't it? I think really. I wish we were playing them at home. I think we could have done them at home, mm. uh, despite our poor start at home, which is weird, really, because. You know, last season we never actually. The last season we were in the Premier League, we never actually lost two home games in a row. Is that right? Yeah. So we've actually we've so we've done that already. <laughs> <laughs> but on a more positive note, we've not lost away yet. So we've got a. It's going to be really tough. I think they can easily be got at. I think that their crowd is really on edge. I was looking at their forum as the Bournemouth game were going on yesterday, and mm. they're not happy at all with, I'd say, fifty percent of the players and the manager. So, you know, that I'm not writing it off by any shot. I think it'll be difficult. I'll be surprised if we get something. But at the same time, there's a lot to go on there. I think we, we can cause them problems. Mm, I, f- I feel like they're just on the kind of... Just on the cusp of where a couple of bad results could see Silver given the boot. I think that's... Yeah, there's already, there's already a few calling for his head, like on the forums and stuff. Mm. Not, they absolutely detest Calvert-Lewin, to be completely honest, from what I've seen. Wow, really? Uh, just... I think this is going on from last season. They're just saying like they've no idea why he starts him. He don't offer any. He obviously got his first goal, which I'm delighted about. By the way, mm. he scored against Bournemouth yesterday. I was just thought we nailed on for him to get his first <laughs> against us. Um, but yeah, they they don't think he's picking the right team. They think that, I mean, to me, from what I've seen, I've seen him three times the same as you, and they just don't. They, they're like they're relying on individual players. They, mm. they don't seem to be any sort of strategy there for a game or any sort of togetherness or anything they just seem like a team of individuals yeah um but unfortunately they're very good individuals <laughs> so, yeah, that's it yeah and this yeah. is why i reckon that at home i i, I do I, I don't want to be negative but i do think we'll struggle to get something because they do have really really good players that can just turn and if we carry on making the sloppy mistakes that we have been making then they will punish us yeah indeed i mean yeah they've had a, a they kind of um bottom half of the league for xg so far you know uh so uh Lower than ourselves defensively, um, they are. Let's see, uh, we're at Everton, so yeah, pretty much the same as us, to be honest. In XG, so kind of that um, upper third of the league. You know, this has disannoyed me. We're still, you know, despite losing this game, we still have the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth best uh, XG four and the fifth best XG again. So, you know, we're putting yeah. some pretty decent numbers and yeah, expected points is now 7.6. So we're, you know, we're almost a full win behind that. In fact, yeah, I'm just looking at this, there's only a few teams that are underperforming their expected points by um, more than we are, frustratingly. I mean, on, on the positive note, I don't think they're any better than Chelsea. No. I, I, probably not as good as Chelsea, to be fair. That's true. I think that if we, I think the defense looks really poor. To be honest, I mean, I think Michael Keane's had a really poor start to the season from what I've seen. Mm. Uh, yeah, right. sorry, so it's not. Sorry, yeah, it's all right. It's, it's not. Uh, it's not. It's not beyond the realms of possibility we could get something. No, 
I think so. Um, I'm talking to uh, Tom Clark of uh, the Toffee Blues after this, and yeah, mm. he was he was saying, you know, centre backs. Um, sorry, I said I'm talking to him. I already did talk to him, just in case anyone, yeah. anyone thinks <laughs> I'm having a, a looper or something, having a grammatical <laughs> nightmare. Um, what on earth was I talking about? Oh yeah, he was saying that that he thinks their centre backs probably the weakest part of their team. Um, Particularly, you know, Zuma was there last season, who's now at Chelsea, and he was like a rock for them. But yeah, Keane and uh, Jagielka's obviously moved on as well. So yeah, yeah. He, he does think that's something that uh, something that can be got at. He said, you know, they they basically they lost quite a lot in the air. Uh, even even Mina, who's a you know a, a proper unit at the back, you know, he was getting sort of bullied by um, by Wilson and uh, I think Solanke played it yesterday as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched the, the game. I, I thought they were really poor again, Everton. It's one of those. I've, I've only, I've seen them three times. Two, three of them away from home. Actually, where they are poor, and they look like obviously they're not, but they look relegation standard from the away. <laughs> but their own form is obviously far, far better than the the away form, which is the worry. Yeah, and when you have got players like uh, Sigurdsson, Richarlison, Iwobi, Keane, uh, as in uh, Moyes, not, uh, not yeah, Michael. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think they're one of those sides. They're one of those sides who they turn up. You can do your four or five nil, mm, but they're just as likely to not turn up. None of the players, yeah. If you know what I mean, they've just there's no sort of they're a bit of a flaky team. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, that's and- balloons now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to be underdogs, aren't we? You know. Would you play Musa by the way, or? No, Robinson and uh, maybe I don't know. No, not yet. No. Keep him coming off the bench, I don't like. know if I'd be willing to throw him in out of... I don't know if it's just desperation from Saturday. Uh, I want to stick to our A game for now. And if that's yeah. not working, then uh, then bring on the moose. Fair play. But yeah, I want. Uh, I think McGoldrick should... I agree to just return to our earlier chat. I think McGoldrick should stay in the team because uh, mm-hmm. he, he gives us more than just goals. So if he starts knocking some in as well, then that'll be... Uh, We'll be rolling, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to this one, so uh, oh yeah, you are, aren't you? Yeah, I've never been to Goodison, so looking forward to it. first trip there. So sounds like a, a good sort of traditional old school stadium, and uh, hopefully a good day out, whatever the result, and then a nice yeah. easy game back at Bramall Lane the following weekend. Oh, against yeah, I've sort of one of them fixtures Liverpool where you think, oh, that'll be playing Liverpool Man City next year. Then it comes to it, and you're like, oh god, this could be like. <laughs> Well, look at what happened to Man City on Saturday. Yeah, that annoyed me so much that result mm, because I don't want to talk about you, it. You just think that City are only going to do that against one team a season, where they sort of just play that poorly, like, yeah. and it happened to be one of our relegation rivals. Probably, yeah, it's, it's, it's not even taking into account the fact that we'd spent much of the, the previous pod saying about how Man City are definitely winning the league, and now they're five points behind Liverpool, who probably yeah. are only going to lose like two games all season. So, yeah. Yeah, I will. I don't think they'll let that happen again. Uh, certainly, no. certainly not more than once, anyway. So certainly not against us. Why? Why yeah. isn't any of our opponents just treading on the ball in the penalty area and giving us a tap in like blooming Otamendi did? Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I just I don't know. I, I, you know what? I've actually that annoyed me. Obviously, it came on the back of our defeat, and I've watched our highlights back. I can't bring myself to watch that Norwich Man City game because yeah. I don't know. I don't. It's not that I see Norwich as rivals. It's just that sort of. As I said, that is such an unexpected three points for Norwich that yeah. it could be so important because I don't think anyone else will get three points against them in our 
you know, bottom half of the table. Probably not. They were 18 to 1 to win that game because we were yeah. talking about in the pub before. They've got loads of injuries as well, haven't they? So it's, yeah, fair play to them. To, they, they went for it, didn't they? And... Yes, uh, counter attacked brilliantly. They did actually defend really, really well from what I, from what I see yeah. afterwards. You know, they, they kind of kept Man City out of that. I know Man City had a lot of shots, but they kept him out of that kind of dangerous central zone. You know, there was not, mm-hmm. much, not much in that area. So, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, just annoying all the same. There we go. We started yeah. with an annoyance. We've ended with an annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> right, Andrew, where can people follow you on Twitter? It's www.roysviewfrom.com or at Panchero on Twitter. Good man. And we'll be back in a week, so to talk about uh, hopefully uh, a return to point-scoring, goal-scoring ways. Yeah. Nice one, mate. All right, I'll uh, I'll catch you later. Thanks for your time. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. All right, I'm joined now by Tom Clark, who is a writer and presenter of the Toffee Blues, which is a Everton fan site, podcast, and YouTube channel. Tom, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, not too bad. Not the best. In fact, it was it was more or less the worst possible weekend of football for me personally. <laughs> with. Uh, United losing, Wednesday winning, uh, Norwich somehow beating Man City, which is probably not good for our league position either. And yeah, I guess probably uh, probably not the best result for you guys either. No, pretty embarrassing to be honest. We were expecting. I think every time Everton get close to getting in a good position, like we had the chance to go third yesterday and just flapped it again. Mm-hmm. Similarly to the way we, we had the chance, we were on Friday night football a couple of weeks ago against Aston Villa. Had a chance to go first and. Absolutely bottled it again, which is exactly what happened yesterday. So pretty poor, but yeah. Yeah, I watched that Villa game, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there with with Everton. I mean, it just looked—I don't know—they just looked like they didn't didn't know each other almost. It was <laughs> it was surreal. Um, I mean, I guess we sort of touched on it there, but yeah, how would you kind of rate Everton's start to the season? So we're what five games in. What's your what's your overall feelings on how it's gone so far? Well, I give it about a six out of ten. I think um, we were kind of hopeful with, with the fixtures coming out uh, earlier in the summer. We kind of saw the fixture list and the build. That, that's a good chance to get a good early position in the table, work out, work ourselves up there, so that if we did have a dodgy patch of form later on, we'd be able to already have had a good start. But that's not really happened that way. Um, it's been pretty poor. It's been inconsistent. I think reflective of the last couple of seasons in the way that we're very good at home, but pr- pretty terrible away from home, and. Um, it just, as you say, it doesn't look like the players know each other. We've we've had a few new signings and they're taking time to settle in and stuff. And it's it's not the best, and uh, pretty disappointed to be honest. Hmm. What was your kind of pre-season expectations, and are, are they are they still kind of uh, the same, or have they kind of teetered one way or another? I suppose we didn't have the best pre-season. It was. Um, it's summed up by the fact that we lost to a Kenyan team called Cario Bangi Sharks. Um, so it was pretty poor. It, it was kind of like pretty obvious that we needed new signings obviously Marcel Brands the director of football said it was going to be a summer of change and a lot of new signings and uh, it was kind of steady up until the last few days when we kind of panicked and uh, the whole Zaha saga came and stuff like that and we ended up getting Iwobi instead but um, pre-season wasn't great and it was kind of waiting for these signings to come in and they've just come about in time for the Premier League fixtures but obviously they've not settled in properly yet so it's um um, there was no really expectations from pre-season we were hoping it'd all kick-start in the season but even that hasn't properly happened yet so pretty disappointing yeah mm. Where were you kind of expecting to finish this season do you reckon? Um, 
we were looking to capitalise. Obviously, we've been trying to push the top six in the last few seasons, and with Man United and Chelsea both looking kind of a bit weaker than they usually do, we may, we thought maybe we can capitalise on that. But it seems to be other other teams that have done that instead, like Leicester. Seems a kind of a step above Everton at the moment in terms of pushing that top six. So it's a it's 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 not beating us and. It's, it's it's disappointing to see that we're down in the bottom half of the table already after a, um, a, a favourable run of first fixtures, to be honest, and we've, we've still managed to get find ourselves in the bottom half. Mm. It's a weird Premier League table at this point, isn't it? Like, I think uh, there was some crazy start I read the other day. There was something like, at this stage, there was already like 10 points between 3rd and 15th or something last season, and this year there's just so many teams that are only separated by like 3 or 4 points. So I guess everything could yeah, change be- pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 um it's kind of been only Liverpool who've had a really strong start, and then apart from that, it's been like a bit. I think there's a lot of teams around eight points, something mm. like that. Um, it's kind of like pretty average standard for the rest of the teams. Obviously, the fact that we we're eleventh and we could have gone to third yesterday says a lot, really. Yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty open at the moment. To be fair, so any any results. It is it is major at the moment because it can always be pulled back with the table being so close in the in the mid range at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, just looking ahead to uh, our trip to Goodison on Saturday, then, which, uh, if you had to pick one Everton player in particular that you think is like the key to the game, who would you choose? Um, I'd probably say Alex Awobi, to be honest. He's a, he's one of our new signings, but um, I do think last season um, we were kind of a team that liked to pass the ball around the box, and no, no one was really looking to. Kind of be direct, and Alex Awobi's come in. He's been direct, and he's a uh, he doesn't like to stick to the wing as a wing. He likes to cut inside and mm. create chances fair, fair, closer to the goal, which is uh, what we want to see. To be fair, and he, he's been a bright start, and um, hopefully he'll be able to just only get better. But because I do think Sheffield United in the defensive phase are quite tough to break down. Obviously, the five uh, line of five at the back, but I think if there's anyone to do that, it would be the direct run of uh, Alex Awobi. Yeah, he's a funny player, Awobi. I used to think he was absolutely atrocious about two years ago and like <laughs> almost a joke at Arsenal. Then watched him last season a bit more closely, I think, and was like, oh no, he's he's actually very good. And he's still pretty young as well. He's still like early 20s, isn't he? He just, yeah. seems, just seems to have been around forever. So yeah, I, I actually, I thought that was quite good business by you um, versus spending whatever it was on Zahar anyway, I thought Iwobi is probably a, I would say at least a comparable player. And obviously you were able to get him for much, much less than was being quoted for Zahar. So yeah, I think that was good. A couple of, I really like Sigurdsson as well. Um, I've, I've always liked him. You know, but he was at Swansea, I think, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Prior to Everton. Is he, is he like a bit of a fan favourite? Because every time I watched Everton the last few years, he's always like, he always seems to be the one guy that like unlocks something. He can do in moments. It's kind of like he's he is a, a possibly a highlight real player, but in the way that he drifts in and out of games, mm-hmm. he can go missing for a while. He is a hard worker. He he gets the miles, and I think the season before he joined Everton at Swansea, he, he covered the most miles in the Premier League out of any other, any player, mm-hmm. uh, which is impressive considering that he does drift in and out of games, and he, he's he's there sometimes, and sometimes he just goes missing, and uh, that frustrates Everton fans quite a bit, and obviously, with him being one of the bigger names in the Everton side, and one of the bigger price tags as well, um, he doesn't seem to kind of be vulnerable to losing his place in the team, so he's kind of like one of the first names on the team sheet, Marco Silva always picks him, so um, when he does drift in and out of games, it is quite frustrating, but when he does get on the ball and manage to get in the game, he, he has that bit of quality that really, really can unlock uh, defences, and kind of He's got a great shot on him, even from outside the box as well. So if he can't find a way through the back line, he, he's always there to have a go um, from from the channel, from the inside channels as well. Yeah, 
We, you mentioned him there. I'm just curious. What's the what's the sort of mood with uh, Marco Silva at the moment? Um, is, is people is everything like fine, or is it sort of kind of teetering on the edge of like mm, we we want to be better than we are currently? Uh, there was a lot of impatience with him yesterday after the defeat um, against Bournemouth. Mm. Obviously, there's a lot of knee jerk reactions after mm. losses like that. So um, I think a lot of people were saying Silva out, but that, I think that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it's a bit soon for that. Um, People were pulling into question his game management, saying his maybe his starting eleven wasn't even right, and then his substitution seemed to be quite panicky. He doesn't make them in advance. He kind of his substitutions are very reactionary and um, kind of like not panicky, but toward towards that end of the spectrum. To be honest, so um, people people don't really like that, and obviously obviously people are st- still picking on zonal marking as well because we conceded the goal yesterday that was pretty. Shocking down, down to zone on marking, but I think that is a system that can work if the players are good at it. But our players have never been good at it, so um, and he doesn't want to change his principles, he's sticking to the zone on marking thing, but it, it's never seemed to work for us. Yes, yeah, it's weird. You never hear people complaining about uh, man marking not working at corners, do you? Even though it clearly does on occasion, <laughs> it's a weird one that. Um, just uh, what, what would you say is kind of an area of weakness for that United could look to ex- exploit in this game, if indeed there are any? Yeah, probably centre back. To be honest, yesterday we were pretty poor um, uh, at the back. I think Michael Keane looked a bit short in confidence from the, the mistake for England um, for the first goal. I think it was against Kosovo, um, but I, I think Zuma was a big player for us last season um, and showing up that back line. Him and Michael Keane made a solid partnership and we obviously weren't able to get Zuma back and we weren't even able to bring in another centre-back and we lost a couple anyway. Obviously, Phil Jagielka's moved on to you guys and we've, mm-hmm. we've lost a, a bit of strength at centre-back and we haven't been able to replace that like like a lot of people at the club said we were going to. So um, that's probably the area of weakness that you can look to exploit. I think um, probably there's a couple of strikers you might get, Sheffield United strikers, you might give them a tough time. I think um, even Yeri Mina with them being with it being what is he six foot four, six foot five, he he was dominated in the air a little bit yesterday. So um, mm. maybe players like Ollie McBain, he could look to exploit that at the at the back because we do have weakness at centre back at the moment. Mm, interesting. Um, just just finally, actually, just uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on on uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin because obviously uh, former Sheffield United player, followed his career uh, since he's since he moved to Everton. It's been great to see him. Uh, you know, doing doing fantastic things for um, England's youth teams as well, and you know, I have to say, I was a little bit surprised how quickly he got into Everton's team because I I didn't totally rate him when he was a, a United <laughs> player because he, I mean, I don't think he scored a goal for us, and you know, we were kind of struggling in League One at that point, and I don't know, he, he just as a youngster didn't really impact games very much whenever I saw him, so I was kind of surprised how quickly he got into Everton's team, but. Yeah, he's, he's made himself pretty much a permanent fixture up front, and yeah, I'm just curious to get uh, an inside track on, uh, on on what kind of a player you think he is, how he's kind of getting on in his, uh, his still very fledgling career. Yeah, um, I never really knew how he got on at Sheffield United, so it's interesting to hear, and I think he's probably followed on in the same vein pretty much. He's he's um, he's a frustrating player. I do think he's been probably called upon. The reason why he's been thrust into the team so quickly is because of our weakness at, at, at centre-forward, obviously he's... Romelu Lukaku left. We've never really found a, a proper replacement, and Calvert Lewin was kind of forced into that position. And now he's been given the number nine shirt, and all of a sudden, a lot of weight has been on his shoulders. And he's obviously still a young striker finding his game, but he's just a frustrating player at the moment. Really, um, he can't really be called that much of a young 
he's still young. He's kind of, but but because he's been around our team for so long, people are expecting some improvements, and he mm. doesn't seem to be scoring enough goals. He, he's excellent in some parts of his games. He's so frustrating because he's he's great in the air. He's he's been working with Duncan Ferguson, and obviously he was good in the air anyway because he's a big lad and he's here. He's strong. He's he's fast. He works. He works the channels well. He can hold up the ball, and it just it just seems to be the one part of his game that is weak is finishing. And for a striker, that's absolutely crucial. Mm. So it's very frustrating in the way that he does everything else really well, um, but you just can't finish um, usually anyway. I hope, I hope that's a point of his game that could improve. But he's looking more like a number ten than number number nine for me because it, we need that finishing touch, and he doesn't seem to be able to provide that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see him. Uh, yeah, you know, he must be doing something right to to stay in the team, I suppose. As you say, all those kind of other facets of his game are, are pretty strong. And yeah, he got a goal yesterday, didn't he? But I guess that was his first. What was that like? His first goal since March or something like that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was really, um, I think that he's, do, he's doing exactly what Marcus Silva tell, tells him to do. I think Silva likes him a lot, so that's why he's giving him the number nine shirt and giving him so much responsibility. But um, one of the first things Evertonians look for on the team sheet at the moment is Moise Keane being. There instead mm. of Calvert Lewin, um, but obviously Silver likes Calvert Lewin, and I think he played him yesterday because of his aerial ability. Um, and we look to exploit uh, Bournemouth at the back, and he did that once. To be fair, and he did, out of all the players yesterday, he didn't have a bad game. Um, as as poor as he'd been on some occasions, he didn't have a bad game yesterday, even though he came off quite early. But um, obviously, he'll be open to get a start against his former team and be able to prove a point. Mm, indeed, how is Keane getting on? By the way, because uh, that that seemed like a real coup when uh, when you signed him, um, but I've only. I've only seen sort of uh, brief snatches of him on um, on TV so far. How's he getting on? Yeah, he's an exciting player. Obviously, he hasn't even been in there that much. Yes, I think he started one or two games, and mm. he's he's been off the bench more more often. Um, and he's, he's 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 an exciting player. He's powerful. He's he's pacey. You can tell he's he's got something about him, but he hasn't been able to get that run of games yet to translate that into into run of form. Um, but you can tell. He's, he's really an electric player and, and someone who could really force the defence into some mistakes and yeah, definitely the type of player that we're looking to obviously a pacey forward with a bit of power it's, it's the player that we want at Everton but he, obviously because he's still young Silver wants to protect him and he's not throwing him in from the start and he's, he's obviously still preferring Calvert-Lewin over him so he is exciting but he's, he's not quite ready just yet yeah nice one all right, Tom. Thanks very much for uh, for joining me. If people wanted to um, to to check out the fan site, the Toffee Blues, where should uh, where should they do so? Uh, probably go to the Twitter first, which is uh, the, the tag is at Everton Newsfeed. It's called the Toffee Blues, and then we have our own website, and uh, you can find player ratings, match previews, all all kinds of stuff. And then we've obviously got the YouTube channel as well. So that's where you can find the stuff uh, at Everton Newsfeed. But that's uh, the main hub of all our stuff. Yeah. Nice one. And yeah, thanks uh, Thanks once again for taking the time to talk to us. Much appreciated. No problem. Thanks for having me.